you'll take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. The book of Philippians, chapter 1. It is always a great joy to be here, and uh, I was expecting and anticipating that my better half would be here. I, she always makes me look much better. And I, I told you, I think, the last time that uh, I get better food. People take us out to, to lunch. We get a better restaurant when she's with us. And it's always, always a joy. When, when I'm by myself, they take me to Taco Bell or someplace like that. Now, the pastor took me to a nice place today. Thank you for that meal. Yeah, we're family. Okay. Well, it is a joy to be here. Connie was not able to come. Uh, she came halfway on this trip. We were over in Fort Myers, and uh, she got word that her sister's husband had passed away. And uh, I put her on a plane yesterday to be with her sister and family up in Ohio, so she sends her greetings. She's uh, sorry that she's not able to be here today but we will be back if the lord uh wills it we'll be back i think uh maybe the second week in june uh, we plan on being here on sunday all day and we'll just stand there and you can talk to us you can you can pat us on the back or you can look at us or take a picture of us or whatever you would like to do that would be fine we'll be here and we look forward to that I prayed about what God wanted me to preach or teach or challenge you with tonight. And he led me to the book of Philippians, uh, not just chapter one, but that whole book of Philippians. And tonight I want to speak to you on this subject, having joy in the midst of trials. I couldn't come up with just one title. I came up with three, having joy in the midst of trials, how to be positive in a negative world, and then when losing is not an option. And I thought about those things, and uh, even today as I was in the hallways and I was looking at you folks coming and going and and over in the lunchroom, people eating, and then the children rushing around, going to their classes, uh, and most of the children are completely oblivious of the problems that we are facing in our world today, and, and that's good. I think that's healthy for our children uh, to know a little bit, but not everything, because they're not mature enough to understand all of that. But as I looked around, I, I looked into your faces and your lives, and I thought, boy, I wonder how many people are really struggling today. The prayer list, we went over that, and a great number of names that's on there of people having difficult times. And then add on top of that all of the turmoil that's going on in the world today and all the confusion, and it just doesn't seem like, is, is there a leader somewhere is there someone that could take charge and give us direction? And when we read the Bible, when we go back into the Old Testament, when God had set up those, uh, those kings and those rulers, obviously we, most of us know that 
that was not God's original plan. He would give a man and leadership, but he wanted to be king. He wanted to be, God wanted to be over them. But man wanted to be like the other nations, and they wanted to have somebody to rule over them. They had no idea what they were asking. And it has, from that time, there's been good kings. And the Bible talks about that. In the book of Psalms, it talks about that. That when there is a righteous king, there's great peace. And there's great contentment. And we've seen some of that. But we also live in times of great fear. Um, I just did a little search of Zillow in these areas and I, I couldn't find any houses for sale. Not, not that I'm looking, not, not, no, if I found one for $100, I'd buy it, you know. Even, I'd go as high as $1,000, <laughs> but the, there's none of those. But every house that I looked at that I saw, sale pending. It's already been sold. And that's, that's not a big problem for the seller, but it's a problem for people moving here. And uh, we just live in a time that we've never had anything like this. Went to Africa, went to Kenya and, uh, on a new project uh, on the Swahili Bible translation. To Paraguay with the Guarani and then other places. And the world just seems, the whole world, not just the United States, the whole world seems to be in chaos. And I have the privilege of going to churches, from church to church, and meeting and talking with people and encourage them. And, and many times they encourage me back. And uh, some are very positive, knowing that God is in control. And here in the book of Philippians, let's, let's read these first few verses uh, that God gave these words to the Apostle Paul and they were penned. Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, not just some of them, not just to the preachers, not just to the missionaries, but to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now Paul is encouraging this church. He had a special relationship with this church, the church at Philippi. If we had the time, we could go over to the book of Acts in Acts chapter 16 now, Paul had received what we, what's known as the Macedonian call. You've probably heard that before. And uh, Paul received a vision. He didn't know exactly where he should go on this missionary journey. He thought about going south, and God, the Holy Spirit said no. He thought about going north, and the Holy Spirit said no. 
Well, he wasn't going back the other way because that's Antioch. That's where he came from. And in the middle of the night, he received the Macedonian call that God had called him because somebody in that area was praying. And they were asking God. They were trying to serve God the best that they could. And they needed some spiritual help. And this was the people in that region of Macedonia in Philippi. And God sent the Apostle Paul and others to that place. And so from that place in Acts chapter 16, some great and wonderful things took place. A church was established. <clears throat> but even in that chapter, we find that Paul is in jail. And even in jail, he's singing and he's happy and he's joyful, even being, being counted worthy to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful example that we have in the Apostle Paul. So Paul has a very special relationship, not only because he founded, he started that church there, but that church contributed to his prayer need and to his financial need. They were partners with him. Um, Plantation Baptist Church is very, very, very special to me. Uh, this is where Connie and I are members. And when this church, we hurt. Uh, when this church hurts, we hurt. When this church has needs, we take that to the Lord in prayer. And when they're family, sometimes we don't know who they are. We've never met them. But we pray for them. God help them. Supply what they need. Or heal them. Or, or, or do something for them. And so this is the type of relationship that Paul had uh, with the church at Philippi. <clears throat> he was sent out of the church at Antioch. So he wasn't a member of the church at Philippi. But he had a very special relationship with them. I have several churches like that. There's a church in Council Bluffs, Iowa, that their pastor is in bad, bad, bad shape. He's been here before. He came to the King James Bible Research uh, meeting here. And uh, he's near death. He's one of my best friends. And I have a special relationship with that church. And his son said to me, Brother Ziner, if my dad passes, would you come? I don't, you don't even have to ask. I'll be there. Would you meet with the deacons? Would you meet with the trustees? Because there'll be some decisions that will have to be made. I said, listen, your church next to my home church is one of the best. I feel like I'm a member at that church. So that's the type of relationship that Paul had with this church at Philippi. Paul and Silas, they, were in, uh, they had prayed. They were in prison and they sang together. So this was nothing new. Paul now is in prison again, and he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, a letter of encouragement. Now, try to get the picture. Paul is in prison. He's in jail, unjustly put in jail. Have you ever suffered unjustly? I think all of us have. All of us have. This week, I've heard people say, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've had people say to me, good Christians, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. 
It just seems like God is just beating me down, beating me down, beating me down. And I just sit and listen. I have the answer for them, but they don't, at that particular time, they don't want that answer. They're so discouraged. They're so disheartened. And just one thing after another is just happening. And they, they just can't seem uh, to get ahead. As, as soon as they get one thing fixed, something else breaks. Some are struggling in their marriages. And some have spoken to me. Some that are very close to me that, have, that are struggling in their marriages. Pastor Hunter, we have the answer for them, but it's not what they're looking for. Until you and I come to the place that we're willing to listen to Christ and his answer, then all that we're doing is putting band-aids and patching up these problems and we never get them resolved in our lives. So we live in a world that there's a lot of problems. The Apostle Paul, think about his life. He was a Pharisee before he got saved. He studied, studied under Galileo. And he was highly, highly respected amongst his peers. I mean, he was at the top. He had reached a level that it, he had the authority to put Christians to death. And he thought that he was doing God a favor. Now think about that. Because he was a Pharisee, and here's all these Christians that are doing something completely different than what he believed. And it didn't bother him one bit. They deserved to die. And so he had everything at his hand. But one day he trusted Christ as his Savior. And then the Bible says that he counted all of those other things that he had gained. And the word is he used as dumb, as waste. It meant nothing to him. All of the money, all of the prestige, all of his peers looking to him, all the accolades, all of those things didn't mean anything to him because he fell in love with somebody. And it was Christ. And Christ became everything to the Apostle Paul. So he's writing to this church at Philippi. He's encouraging them. He's, <laughs> he's in prison. Doesn't know if he's only going to get out. He's about 60 years of age. He's awaiting trial chained to a Roman soldier he did have his own chamber and he could have some visitors but the Bible says that he was full of joy now how in the world could somebody in that state be full of joy brother Steve could you be full of joy I, I, I don't know <laughs> I've often thought if if I was captured someplace and they started to pull out my fingernails and, and said, denounce Christ or something. Or well, I thought, God, I don't know. What a, God, I, I love you. I don't want to denounce you. I don't like pain. 
I don't want to suffer. I said, God, kill me before that ever happens. You know, don't, don't, don't let it happen. But I do know that the Bible is true. And when God says his grace is sufficient, then I have to accept that. That no matter what we go through, his grace is sufficient. Connie gets injections in her eyes for her macular degeneration. Now, I, 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 that doesn't calculate with me. Anything that comes near my eye, I blink. She has, if I need drops in my eyes, she has to put them in. And she said, stop, don't, don't blink those eyes. I can't help, something's coming. Yeah, that's just me, you know. And I think a lot of us are like that. But you know, she was like that. But now she realizes that medicine is important. And she needs that. So until you and I realize that there is something that we desperately, desperately, desperately need. And what is that? What is it that will help you through your struggles and through your trials and testings and tribulations that you're going through all of these things that just seems impossible right now to make it through you would say only a miracle could get me through this circumstance right now and I know what you're thinking well I don't think God's going to do it he'll do it for the pastor he'll do it for for somebody else but I don't think he's going to do it we have to trust God and sometimes we want a miracle because we want it our way and not his way. We want something different than his plan. And so Paul is talking to the Christians at Philippi and encouraging them even in all of the trials and tribulations that he's going through. He loves these people. He was in jail unjustly. But he does not focus on himself. He does not focus on the negative in the book of Philippians. You're not going to get Paul. He's not going to be sucked into the negative thinking. And it would be really easy for him to do that. Because of all of the circumstances that he's going through. But he knows that God is using him. To be an encouragement to these people that he so dearly loves. I love, I have four children and I love them dearly. I love their spouses dearly also. Sometimes it's a challenge. Even with my kids and their spouses. But Connie and I keep our mouth shut and we get on our knees and we start praying. And sometimes we just have to be there when, the, when they're all broken and help them pick up the pieces. And we will always be there. But there's something that Connie and I can do that they can't stop us. And that is Connie and I can be faithful to God and loving them. Remember what Job said in Job chapter 1. And Job said, I've got to go make sacrifice. You know why he had to make sacrifice for his children? Just in case my children forgot to do so. 
And he was intervening for his children. And that's what you and I do. Because they're going through this life. Connie and I are at, at the, towards the end of our lives. Now, I, we're, we're not at the end. I know some of you think we're at the end. We're not at the end of our lives. If I were 30 years old, 73, I would have probably thought I'd be dead by that time. Now that I'm 73, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to 110, probably just 105. Okay? So, but I'm going to tell you what takes place in our lives. Money, property, possessions, they don't seem to be as valuable anymore. They, I mean, we need those things, obviously, but they don't have the same value as they used to have. What has greater value is that we're going to see God real soon. And we're going to be standing with him. And I better make sure that I'm living and serving him with all of my heart. So Paul, he talks about the power, positive, the power of the resurrection. The rising from the dead. He uses words like confident. Positive words. Confirmation. He talks about these things. Uh, he talks about performance. You see, we could look around our world and say, well, our world is a mess, man. It's falling apart. The Lord has to come back. I think he's coming back within 24 hours. I mean, look at everything. And it dawned on me the other day, I hear so many people talking about that. They remind me of the disciples in Acts chapter 1. When Jesus was speaking with them, he was caught up into heaven and all just stood there. And was looking, wow, look at that. He's gone. And God had to send an angel. So he said, listen, don't keep looking up here in the heaven. There's, there's a job for you to do. And I'm going to give you all the power. You're going to go into all the world and you're going to preach the gospel to every creature. And so I find so much on Facebook and in churches, they're all right. It's got to be the end time. I personally think it's the end time, but I don't think we ought to be gazing up into heaven and doing nothing. I think we ought to be busy doing everything that we can. Didn't Jesus say that we were the salt of the earth? What is salt? We all know that. It's, this is elementary. And you sit there and say, I must have missed that class. <laughs> what is it? Salt is a preservative. But salt will do no good at all unless it's applied. So you have meat or you have fish. And it doesn't matter how much amount of that salt that you put. But the salt has to be applied to the meat or the fish or the product that you want to preserve. And if Jesus said you and I are the salt of the world. Then we can't be sit sitting here looking and gazing in the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back. We're the salt of the world. We've got to apply our lives to the lives of the people that live in this world. But if we're all depressed and discouraged and all enamored with all of our problems and trials and testings, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm in that mood, 
I don't witness. I don't testify. I don't have a smile on my face. I'm discouraged. Well, who in the listen, would you like to get saved? And have the joy in your heart? Who in the world wants to listen to that? And so he was encouraging them. He was talking to them about several things. One, he was talking to them about unity. Boy, that's it. Every pastor knows that that is a great challenge in our churches to be united. All of us have our little bit of different personalities. You know, not everybody can be as well, perfectly balanced as I am. You know, I know I'm balanced because I have the bubble in the middle here. You know, so I, I know that I'm well balanced. And if we're not careful, we start judging everybody in the church by my rules, by my standards. Listen, I'm not, I'm really not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me because that's really natural for all of us to do, isn't it? Uh, first impressions. You know, you look at somebody, I don't like that guy. Now, I wonder, boy, I'm glad that, I know confession is good for the soul, but I'm, I'm glad that you don't say everything that's in your mind. I don't, if you don't like me, please don't tell me. It, it would kill me. It would devastate me. Just don't, just don't say anything. I kind of already know by your looks towards me. <laughs> it's, you, you've already given it away sometimes. Sometimes I'll walk down and I'll see him walk around the other way. So I was just going to go talk with him, but I guess they don't want to talk. Sometimes because your personality, you might be shy and you're not forward. And, and it is hard. You know, nobody wants to be stuck talking to somebody and say, um, oh, nice weather, good day today. And yeah, yeah. What else we talk about? <laughs> Nothing else to say. So that, nobody wants to get into that conversation. And then there's other people that are just natural talkers. They can talk for three hours. I've met some of them tonight. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. Well, he's not in here. She's not. That person's not in here. And it's okay. Because my job as a Christian is to listen. And if, I, if that's what they need for me to listen to, then I'll listen. It's okay. And so every one of us have needs. Paul knew that. God knew that. God gave that, those words to Paul. He penned those words because we need that unity in our church so that the church can grow spiritually, so that you can grow spiritually. Because if you're full of bitterness and if you're full of hatred or, or have problem with your brother, you're not going to grow spiritually like you should. Sometimes we have it in our own families. So he talks about that unity. He talks about that fellowship. And there's a Greek word, word uh, koinonia, which means fellowship. And he talks about this church that had fellowshiped with Paul of giving to him 
supplying finances for his ministry. And I'm a, when they supported his ministry and others didn't support him, they were some of the first ones that gave to his ministry. When no one else gave, they gave to his ministry. It created a special relationship between Paul and this church. And so he loved them. And he wanted them to keep the gospel going and, and advancing in this world because he knew that the gospel was to go to all the world. And so he talked about that fellowship in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 1. The gospel and fellowship. Uh, will you and I live our lives so that the gospel will go forward? And if we participate in that fellowship, then it will. He talks to them about their faith. Faith and joy always goes together. They just walk together. When somebody's in li living by faith, real faith, is he a happy Christian? I think so. He can have trials, but if he's really living in faith, he knows that God's going to come through, and he trusts God. Now, now sometimes when we talk about that fellowship, some listen, fellowship in the church is not just coming on Sunday morning and eating, eating a donut with your brother <laughs> and say, oh, I'm in fellowship. Well, I mean, donuts are good, but that's, that's not the type of fellowship that he's talking about here. This is a fellowship in faith in, in trying to help one another. What is your needs? And that's what the pastor and the leadership tries to do. Are you suffering today? What are you going through? Can I help you? Can I pray? And a real loving church a church that fellowships, a church that has faith will be a church that will produce that godly joy that will allow others to see and want to come to this place. Paul has great joy. But sometimes we, we think that we deserve better than what we have. Now, I could, I'll be honest with you, Connie would have every right to feel that she deserves better than what she got in me. <laughs> now, I'll admit that. Uh, but I'm glad that we're Baptists, independent Baptists, and we don't believe in divorce. So she can't leave me. And so she's stuck with me. But I'm going to tell you that sometimes you and I think that we're missing out on something. Men go through middle age, something happens in their brain. Stu you know what it's called? Stupidity. <laughs> it's, it is. They either buy a motorcycle or they get a divorce. So when my son not long ago bought a Harley Davidson, I said, praise God. <laughs> I'm glad he bought the Harley Davidson. <laughs> He's going through the midlife crisis. He's got to have this. Then he's going to kill himself on that crazy motorcycle. 
But sometimes we think that we don't, we're not really receiving what we deserve. And we want something better. And we lose that great joy that God has for us. Being positive in a negative world. Being positive in our church with unity and joy and, and fellowship and faith, walking and serving God with all of our hearts. I hope that Paul's letter, his example, and the church at Philippi, their example, can be a little encouragement, a little light and help for us tonight. Father, Oh, God, I'm so thankful for the words that you have given us. You've given us a whole book from Genesis to the book of Revelation, full of advice, full of counsel, full of illustrations. There's not a scenario where we could go through that we couldn't find the answer in this book. It's powerful. It's alive. Lord, allow, may we allow the word to be alive in our minds and in our hearts. God, help us. Bless our church. And Lord, when you know what I mean, when I say our church, our families that come to this place, <clears throat> some are struggling, maybe even tonight, struggling with sickness, Maybe no hope. Maybe the news has not been good. And maybe they're at the end of their rope. And there's no one to turn to. Oh God, please. May they be reminded. May all of us be reminded that we can turn to you. For you care for us. Please God, wrap your loving arms around us. <clears throat> May we feel your presence and your protection in the good times and in the hard times. Please, Lord, meet the needs of someone here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor.